Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Hey everyone, this is your host Greg Myers and a quick reminder before we jump into this week's show, March is Diversity and Inclusion Month, so please let me know if you're interested in being on the show or sponsoring. So now on to episode 146. What does an avid snowboarder with three degrees, legal, accounting, and business, and a lifelong passion for solving problems have to offer the payment space? You mean besides a genuine desire to accelerate the industry and a resume that includes five successful companies to establish his foundation before he even went into fintech? Well, a lot. Anchor, co-founder, and CEO, Rome Lackritz, has taken his passion for problem-solving to the next level with his automated invoicing and accounting software that targets the service provider sector. According to Rome, when they started developing the idea for Anchor, they looked at the payment space and saw that they could divide it into two segments. Half of all payments in the world are completely automatic, with the other half initiated via a more manual process, like in the B2B space. And thus, Anchor was conceived, on the way up a ski lift during a snowboarding trip, no less. To put it simply, Anchor is an autonomous billing and collections platform that strives to take the manual process out of accounts receivable by automating it. And one of the biggest issues Rome targets with his software, revenue leakage. In the U.S. alone, this impacts 4.6% of top-line revenue for service providers, which, according to Rome, actually affects between 30 and 40% of their overall profit margin. So we've got a great episode ahead. Let's get started. Hi, Rome. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. We'll go through your professional background in a minute, but maybe some of those personal things first. Sure. So actually growing up, I was moving every two years. Also uh, lived a few years in the U.S. I think until I was in middle school. So middle school and high school, I lived here in Israel in a small town. At the age of 18, like most guys in Israel and, and girls, actually, I got drafted to the army and I served in the Airborne Special Forces. After that, I flew back to the U.S., had a business for two years and came back to Israel uh, to study in university. Uh, I studied uh, legal accounting and uh, business administration, so three degrees. Growing up and actually until now, I always loved solving challenges, solving problems, and we'll speak in a few minutes on how we got to Anchor, but that was, it started with my own challenge in my uh, consulting firm and, and how to solve it. Okay, well, let's, let's jump into Anchor. So tell the audience what Anchor does. So Anchor is an autonomous billing and collection platform. Like I said, I had a business consultancy firm, and one of my biggest challenges was actually getting paid at the end of the month. We were growing really, really nicely, but we had a lot of challenges and a lot of time spent around payments. And the worst thing about it was that feeling that you're not getting paid and service that you did, and you had no clarity within the business. So going back 10 years ago when the idea started, between there and then, I've done five startups. So... I sold a company, a cybersecurity company, and I took a company, IPO in London, have another company that raised $40 million the past year. And going over all these companies and working as the CFO and COO in most of them, I understood that payment space is just not solved. Three years ago, when we started Anchor, we looked at the payment industry 
And we kind of divided it by two. So half of those payments are completely automatic, right? Point of sale uh, when you pay into a store, all online payments, subscription, SaaS, etc. They're all completely automatic. But on the other hand, 50% of the transactions, actually much, much more, are business to business. And these processes are actually very long and they're broken to a lot of steps and they are very, very manual. And because asking to get paid is very, very manual because the invoice itself is manual, there is a lot of risk in those invoices, risk for fraud, internal and external errors, duplicate payments, reputation, etc. And because of that, you have this whole accounts payable market that, that started growing in order to mitigate those risks. What Anchor does, we took all the concepts from e-commerce and online and automatic payments, and we brought it to the B2B world with all the specific needs of these small businesses. We founded Anchor officially about 18 months ago, and in the past year, we raised $15 million. We're 30 people today, have um, tens of clients and hundreds, almost thousands of transactions today in the system. And what countries is the platform available in? The platform is available only in the U.S. We were able to found Anchor uh, part of the regulation changes of open banking and PSD2 in, in Europe and banks opening up and allowing to integrate into them so we can do payments. And then how do you go to market? Do you have a direct sales force? Do you work through partnerships and channels? How do you, how do you go to market? So we're actually doing both. We're working on a few very big partnerships that you'll be able to see in, in the next few months. But we're also attracting customers with paid media. What we see is that every small business and actually every business has challenges and still has challenges with both with billing and collection and the payments. When I say billing and collection, you also have to understand that we're talking about research of what goes into the invoice and making sure that the invoice is correct and sending it and reminding our customers to pay and being transparent that they can also see the agreement. It's, it's not only sending an invoice that you do manually. Okay. So do you charge like a, a SaaS fees and transaction fees or how is the pricing model set up? We will charge SaaS fees and transaction fees. Today, while we are concentrating on growth, we're charging only processing fees. Okay. And then you mentioned small businesses and really any business. Are there certain verticals that it makes, you know, it's, it's better built for or basically any, any companies that, you know, are sending out invoices? Great question. So in theory, we will want to, you know, solve the whole 200 trillion B2B payments worldwide. We started, like we said, in the U.S. and small businesses, and we're concentrating right now on service providers closest to my heart, which have actually the, the biggest challenges because of the way they're built and the amount of manual work there is before invoicing, doing invoicing, and, and after that with collection, with, with that personal touch with the customer. Okay. And what would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? Oh, big question. So with Anchor, the thing is that we looked at these about 24 small processes that go into getting to asking for a payment until you get paid and reconciled. And we actually looked at it as one service. So if today you have startups that you can issue a manual invoice through or another startup that does dunning emails and another one that makes sure that uh, the customer receives the, the email, then 
we actually do it all. We start within the agreement stage. So instead of doing an agreement, you know, a paper-based agreement and then sending it through a Dopo sign or a Hello sign or a different tool, you do the, the agreement itself on Anchor. Now, once you do it on Anchor, we know how to read it and understand it on one hand. On the second hand, we improve the user experience, your customer's experience. Now he can do it on, on mobile. It's actually a microsite that is closed and secure between the vendor and the client. And you can also change it. So if something changes in the service, if prices went up or you didn't do something, you can change it in an instant. And then the client or the vendor on the other side can approve it. So you always have both the history of what happened in the relationship, but also the status today. And you can see all your bills in the past and your future bills in addition. Every time a payment date comes, we will issue the invoice. We will send it a few days before to the client, make sure that it's approved. Once it's approved, we will move the payments from the client to the vendor and close it with a reconciliation. So literally all the two sides have to do is to make sure that the online agreement is updated with the latest services that they have. What we learned in the last few months is that there is also a very big issue that's called revenue leakage. And that's actually an average in the U.S. for service providers is 4.6% of the top line. Now, if you understand businesses, then you understand that, you know, profit margins for service providers are between 10 to 15% after salaries and all uh, uh, expenses paid out, which means those 4.6% for top line are actually between 30 and 40% of the profit margin. And what we saw is that we can help these service providers with that challenge. And the thing is that the idea of how to solve it and the pain actually came from our customers. So uh, <laughs> I can thank them for that. Okay. You know, you mentioned small businesses, which I, I think typically don't have a, a, a real robust accounting system. But as you move up market, you know, sort of mid-market larger, they may have ERP systems, accounting systems. So is the idea, and maybe you're already doing it, is to integrate into some of those existing ERP type systems? Exactly. We already started. We're integrating with uh, QuickBooks Desktop and QuickBooks Online. Actually, our customers have between 100 and, and 3,000 clients, so they always have tens of employees. And we're also dealing with the challenges of you know permissions between every employee and what he can see it and can do in, in the system. So we're not solely small, small business oriented. Okay. Okay. Well, where do you see the payments industry heading? And, you know, you can sort of answer that around, you know, the B2B space if you want, but where do you see it heading in the next couple of years, say two to three years? Very interesting question. And I guess like, like you um, said in, in the B2B payments, it really dep depends where you come from. Um, when I look at payments today and I see these processes and these manual processes, I think that in the next two, three years, uh, you'll see less usage of checks and you'll see more and more digitization in the businesses and more and more automation around a lot of processes. And actually also products like us integrating to bigger ERPs or CRMs, and you'll start seeing the whole funnel just automated and digitized. Okay. What's your view on blockchain and cryptocurrency? Do you think they play a, a role in the space in the, in the future? So I think they will. I think it'll take more than two to three years. Actually, when I had this idea first in 2013, I looked at blockchain and I, and I started and, and 
even thought of uh, solving the billing and collection challenges on blockchain back then. But I, in 2013, I didn't feel it's, it was mature, the technology. So I always still stayed away. Uh, but in the last, I, I guess, two, three years, you're seeing more and more use cases that make sense in, in blockchain. And you see that it's becoming a real technology with real products. Yeah, I agree with you there. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So tell us about your journey to your role there as the co-founder and CEO of Anchor. So maybe walk us through, you mentioned a few companies that you had founded and sold. So maybe kind of walk us through your professional journey, maybe right outside of school to kind of where you are today. All right. So finishing my degree, I started working in a venture capital fund, the core. It's a Dutch fund. Worked there for three years, actually learned firsthand how to raise funds, what investors are looking for, and uh, really starting to gain experience. After doing a very big project with Ernest and Young, I moved there to the economic department. And uh, I actually didn't survive a lot in, in the first day. I understood it's not really for me. Started to look for, uh, for an idea. Around 18 months in Ernest and Young, I uh, founded my first startup, Tipengo, in the location-based services. Raised $1.5 million and it went pretty well until the location-based services industry collapsed. And, uh, and if you look today, you, actually, there is no technology that really uses social and location-based services. Going out of that, I, I wanted to rest a little bit. This is back in 2012. And I opened a consulting firm where we worked with small businesses on strategy and how to build a business and what's a business. And what I understood there is that although every small business does something else, the thing about small businesses is that there is an entrepreneur, a founder that does a really, really good business and service. And it doesn't matter if it's a dentist or an importer of wine or any any type of business because they're doing it well, they're growing and growing, but usually they don't really know how to manage the business and how to control the growth. And it, at some point, what we saw with our customers is that actually revenue grew, but profits dropped. That's the point where we would start working with them and help them build the business. And it was all going really, really well excluding billing and collection. I had a day every week on Thursday for two hours calling all our customers that haven't paid yet and hearing all the excuses of why the money is on the way and, and didn't get there. That's when I started to look for a solution, but didn't really find a solution back then. We, we discussed it on blockchain. And uh, actually, Moshik and Neve, two of my partners at Omnix, came in and uh, uh, told me how they can develop a new antibiotics against resistant bacteria. I got fascinated. It looked like a very, very big challenge. Uh, so I actually joined them and we founded a company called Omnix uh, back in 2014. We'll go into humans this year. So it's been a long seven years, which is uh, really excited. And today I'm, um, I helped found the company and today I'm in the board there. About a year and a half after that, while they were doing experiments, I actually joined with Guy and Dan and we founded a company called Fireglass in the cybersecurity space. And we sold that after three years to Symantec for $250 million. And there I was the CFO and COO of the company. After selling the company, I actually also had the opportunity to see how an acquisition is made. So Symantec acquired three more companies here in Israel, and I was a uh, part of, that, of those processes. A year after that, I joined another friend, Aviu, and we took his company public to the London Stock Exchange through a SPAC. 
Uh, you know, before SPAC was a uh, was a thing, and mm-hmm. before it uh, disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that, and and after that, that's three years ago. I started to look at the payment space, and we founded Anchor ultimately. Okay, I always like to ask when someone has other co-founders. So talk about the relationship with the other two co-founders. Sort of how you knew each other, how you decided what roles each person would have. Talk about that a little. So my two partners uh, and the loves of my life are Lior and, and Omri. He's a brilliant CTO, co-founded two companies before uh, we founded Anchor. He's a mutual friend. We do snowboarding together once a year. Uh, and, I, and in one of the lifts three or four years ago, I started talking to him about this problem that I want to solve. And we started working uh, on it and, and researching it. Omri was actually one of the early investors in the company I took public in the London Stock Exchange. And he saw me working and I actually wanted to consult with him on how we go to market. He's a marketing guru. And, you know, as we spoke more and more, he got excited about the sector and the industry and what we're doing and talking to customers and how much they believed in the promise. And uh, he joined us as well. That was the foundation of the company. Uh, it was very, very natural for us. The roles, I was pushing everything, you know, uh, from the bottom. Uh, Lior was super technical and Umri was around marketing and, uh, and revenue generation. Okay, thanks for sharing that. So what are some things that you are personally passionate about? So maybe, maybe one business passion and one personal passion. So my personal passion is helping people. Always been a, a, a helper. And, and part of this journey for me is actually when I started is helping people in scale. And we wanted to start with, you know, with their most urgent pain of, of not getting paid on time. But the dream is much, much bigger. So this personal um, love of mine of, of helping people also became my business goal, which is great. Also really love solving hard challenges. And that's why we, at the end of the day, also picked this industry, which is has a lot of challenges that needs to be fixed. On the personal side, um, um, I love my family, have three girls, three daughters. I love spending time with them and doing anything I can with them. Okay. Is snowboarding still on the list? Snowboarding came from surfing and skating. So I've been on a skateboard as a child. I moved to surfing waves when I got, you know, 17, 18 years of age. And, and when I got uh, to around 32, 34, surfing, I didn't have enough time for surfing. So I moved to snowboarding. And yeah, I, I still do that. Liberating. Yeah. Since the Winter Olympics are going on, it's been amazing. I've, I've been watching a lot of, of downhill skiing and the snowboarding and the, the tricks and the things they can do. I mean, it's, actually, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And Monday I came back from a snowboarding trip, but the flights were, that's why I had problem with the flights. <laughs> So I started in payments about 15 years ago, and it really wasn't necessarily an industry that a lot of people were looking to make a career out of. And then fintech came along, and I guess over, I don't know, the last five or 10 years, it's really become a dynamic industry with a lot of money being invested into companies and kind of a a hot industry to be in. So I always like to ask this question of, of CEOs and founders is what advice would you give to someone, say they're coming right out of college, they want to come into this industry, what would you tell them that they need to do to be successful in this industry? So first of all, I completely agree that, you know, five, 10 years ago, this, I think this market didn't even exist. 
And I really feel that in the past two, three years, we hit some kind of tipping point and it completely exploded, you know, with Stripe and Plaid and Rapid and, and other companies that have just gone. The growth is insane. Coming into the payment space now, when the market is saturated and there are a lot of products and, and solutions, I would advise every entrepreneur to make sure that his product and his dream is really, you know, 10x better than what exists today. And do the investment and do the research of what exists and what is in development before uh, you, you start this journey. Okay. And you picked a large market and one that you found a personal kind of challenge around. So is that part of what you think someone should look for too? Is something that is a larger opportunity or do you think there's a lot of opportunity for even niche kind of businesses? That actually depends on, on, you know, on the entrepreneur and, and his dreams and what he wants to do. I think there are a lot of opportunities in the payment space. And if you put in blockchain, that would also open a lot of opportunities in the next few years. I got attracted to solving this pain that I had 10 years ago, and I knew what it made me feel. And uh, I really wanted to solve it for you know, for service providers today that still tackle payments and, and billing and late payments and and at the end of the day, the business is hurting and the person himself, it's not easy for them as well. They're also, at the end of the day, entrepreneurs, and we're really excited about what we're doing here. Okay. Well, Rome, we've covered a lot of ground about you and the company and the payments industry as a whole. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap up today? Um I'll just say that if someone uh, hears this podcast and thinks that I can uh, help them in any way, I'll be happy for him to reach out and I'll always be happy to try to help. Okay. What's the best way for someone to learn more about the company? So uh, sayanchor.com is the URL. You can see most of the information there and you can also reach out to our sales team and uh, you get uh, an answer pretty quickly. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. I know your your time is very valuable. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Greg, for having me. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 